Welcome to Micro, a podcast for short but powerful writing. I'm your host, Drew Hawkins. Love, death, and Halloween decorations. This episode is an homage to and a cautionary tale of time passing in the suburbs. This first piece is both brief and vivid, emphasizing the proximity of everyday life to death. It's called Sign of Life. It was written by Sean Pravica and published in the Citroen Review. Enjoy. Sign of Life Her neighbor's husband died. She knocked on the door. No answer. It was a two-story house. She might not have heard it. She took out the trash that night, tiptoed to peek into the backyard. A blue glow against a white fence. Dull. Then bright. Then dull. Again. John Pravica is a California writer and the author of Hold Still Fast, a collection of stories 50 words and under, and Stumbling Out the Stable, a novel. You can find him on Instagram at Sean underscore Pravica or on his website at seanpravica.com. Our second piece encapsulates childhood in suburbia filled with memory and juxtaposition between then and now. It's called Suburbs in July. It was written by Patrick Roche and appears in his new book titled A Socially Acceptable Breakdown, out now from Button Poetry. Enjoy. A Dunkin' Donuts is not the appropriate scene for an exhuming. Jacob is back from Baltimore, and I'm back from the latest funeral, or reminder of one, and I've ordered a hot chocolate in July because the last winter was as stubborn as I am, and neither of us is willing to surrender my bones fully to the other. But Jacob didn't come here to talk human anatomy or thermodynamics, just to catch up, even though I keep looking to his lips and remembering how he used to let me kiss him in high school when his parents were out, even though he was my straight friend, and I don't think he felt anything then, at least nothing that would qualify as a poem in the right light, only pity for this boy in his arms who would wander to the dugouts down by the fields if it meant the dusty embrace of another boy whose girlfriend didn't know any better or did but didn't want to know. And Jacob was always the protective type, so maybe he figured this was a noble sacrifice of skin to keep his friend from the kind of shadow and sandpaper love that conservative working-class suburbia offers queer kids. But Jacob didn't come 200 miles to let me be a charity of sex this time. He just came to catch up and ask about Matt and Julia and my mother and my father and my grandparents and college and how my knees are doing ever since I busted them and can't run anymore— and I sketch the outline of his jaw into my mind since I won't see him for a few more years after we leave, and I say, everyone's fine, or they're the same, 
so the opposite of the first statement, or half of them are dead and I've started to wonder how much money my family has donated to the tombstone makers kids college funds because maybe that's a consolation, or we try to put flowers and grave blankets out at Christmas and you'd think that would make the cemetery brighter, but somehow it makes everything look worse, or they said it snowed so much last winter it could cover fire hydrants, or I say nothing because nobody in this Dunkin' Donuts asked to see a whole row of graves upturned all out in the open and loud like that, and Jacob will be moving away and running half marathons in another city soon, and I'll have a boyfriend, and maybe nothing will stay dead in suburbia, or maybe everything always does, and Jacob says we should go get ice cream the next time he's in town. Even though it will probably be winter. Patrick Roche is a queer poet, mental health advocate, and Carly Rae Jepsen enthusiast from New Jersey. You can find him on Twitter at Patrick Poetry, on Instagram and Facebook at Patrick Roche Poetry, or on his website at PatrickRochePoetry.com. In our final piece, a son's perspective offers insight into a father's growing obsession, the result both comedic and a little heartbreaking. It's called Sticks. It was written by George Saunders and appears in his collection titled 10th of December, published by Penguin Random House. Enjoy. Sticks. Every year, Thanksgiving night, we flocked out behind Dad as he dragged the Santa suit to the road and draped it over a kind of crucifix he'd built out of metal pole in the yard. Super Bowl week, the pole was dressed in a jersey in Rod's helmet, and Rod had to clear it with Dad if he wanted to take the helmet off. On Fourth of July, the pole was Uncle Sam. On Veterans Day, a soldier. On Halloween, a ghost. The pole was Dad's one concession to glee. We were allowed a single Crayola from the box at a time. One Christmas Eve, he shrieked at Kimmy for wasting an apple slice. He hovered over us as we poured ketchup, saying, Good enough, good enough, good enough. Birthday parties consisted of cupcakes, no ice cream. The first time I brought a date over, she said, What's with your dad in that pole? And I sat there blinking. We left home, married, had children of our own, found the seeds of meanness blooming also within us. Dad began dressing the pole with more complexity and less discernible logic. He draped some kind of fur over it on Groundhog Day and lugged out a floodlight to ensure a shadow. When an earthquake struck Chile, he laid the pole on its side and spray-painted a rift in the earth. Mom died and he dressed the pole as death and hung from the crossbar photos of Mom as a baby. We'd stop by and find odd talismans from his youth arranged around the base army medals, theater tickets, old sweatshirts, tubes of mom's makeup. One autumn, he painted the pole bright yellow. He covered it with cotton swabs that winter for warmth and provided offspring by hammering in six cross sticks around the yard. He ran lengths of string between the pole and the sticks and taped to the string letters of apology, admissions of error, pleas for understanding, all written in a frantic hand on index cards. He painted a sign saying love and hung it from the pole and another that said, forgive. And then he died in the hall with the radio on, and we sold the house to a young couple who yanked out the pole and left it by the road on garbage day. 
George Saunders is the author of 11 books, including Lincoln and the Bardo, which won the 2017 Man Booker Prize for Best Work of Fiction in English. You can find his website at georgesaundersbooks.com. Micro is edited and curated by Dylan Evers. Our social media is managed by M.M. Kaufman, and the show is produced and hosted by me, Drew Hawkins. Our theme song is by Matt Ordez. Audio of Sticks excerpted courtesy Penguin Random House Audio from 10th of December by George Saunders, read by the author. You can find all the information about this episode's writers, their featured work, and the publications where they were published, as well as a transcription of this episode in the show notes. Find more of our shows wherever you listen to podcasts or check out our website at micropodcast.org. And follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Podcast Micro. Thanks for listening. <laughs>